For those who are familiar with the global design firm IDEO, a few words might come to mind. Consulting, design thinking, K-12 and higher education? Well, yes, IDEO has indeed carved out a space for itself in the education market. At the center of it, Sandy Spiker, the executive director of the education practice. Sandy's worked with organizations across the public, private, and social sectors. For example, recently, she and her team worked with San Francisco Unified to redefine the school lunch program. From the outside, it might not always be easy to know exactly how IDEO works or what the organization does. But this week on the EdSearch podcast, Sandy spoke with us about the genesis of the education studio at IDEO, the role that design thinking plays in improving K-12 education, and where she sees the biggest opportunities for growth and improvement in schools. We'll get into that in a moment, but first, here come the news bits. Welcome to the EdSearch podcast. I'm Mary Jo Matta. Let's get started. Given the recent presidential election, these upcoming weeks serve as an important moment to teach students about the United States government. And to help, Newzella is offering its pro-teacher resources for free to all teachers through Inauguration Day, which takes place on January 20th. The free offering includes activities, mini-lessons, and additional content on top of the already free articles on Newzella's website. Amazon has launched a reading app that tells kids stories in a chat format. Story characters, like aliens and chickens, use the chat to tell adventure stories, and storytelling is adjusted to each child's pace. Kids will also be able to look up words and save them if there's anything they don't know. The app is offering parents free two-week trials right now, and subscriptions start at $3 a month. The Chan Zuckerberg Initiative is just getting started giving away money. This week, the organization awarded $2.2 million to Californians Dedicated to Education Foundation to support professional growth. The CDEF plans to use the money towards developing a social network for professional communities and personalized learning platforms. Quote, many charters fail to live up to their promise, but one type has repeatedly shown impressive results, end quote, writes David Landhart in the New York Times. His column highlights how a high expectations, high supports culture, apparent in his visit to match charter schools in Boston, are helping low-income students catch up to their wealthier peers. The word procurement. For many schools and districts, that word refers to a laborious process of finding and buying technology, curriculum, and other resources. But a few weeks ago, the Department of Education's Office of Education Technology offered a sneak peek at the new EdTech Rapid Cycle Evaluation Coach. Check out edsurge.com to read our take on this free, online, openly licensed platform that takes districts and schools through the process of evaluating and choosing the best tech tools. The Education Edition of Minecraft is now officially available for purchase. Though some of the features were available through early access in June, this full version includes new elements, including a classroom mode, and NPCs, or non-player characters. If you're interested in learning more, educator Diane Main and her son, Cameron Main, reviewed the new features on EdSurge back in October. 
And now it's time for Kachings. San Francisco startup Brightwheel has acquired Lisbon-based My Child, an engagement system for parents and schools. The free Brightwheel mobile app lets parents stay updated on their toddlers when they're in daycares and classrooms, and teachers and staff can use the app to manage attendance, communications, and billing. Get more on Brightwheel's strategy in early education and the deal on edsurge.com. Haruka EDU, an Indonesian startup behind a platform that helps universities create online classes and degree-granting programs, has raised $2.2 million from the Pearson Affordable Learning Fund, Semitor Education, and existing investor Cyber Agent Ventures. Founded in 2013, Haruka EDU is a graduate of Google Developers Launchpad Accelerator, which offers seed funding to startups across the world. All right, on to the meat of our program. Sandy Spiker, head of the education studio at IDEO, spends a lot of her time employing, discussing, and thinking about the role of design thinking in K-12 and higher education. But in a world where people may define the process of inquiry and design thinking differently, is there one approach that champions all others? Sandy addresses that and much more in our one-on-one, coming at you right now. All right, Ed Surge listeners. So I am here with the lovely Sandy Swagger of IDEO. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a background into who you are and what sort of work you've done? Sure. Um, so I'm Sandy. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm a designer. Um, actually, a visual communications, um, visual communications graphic design is my background. But um, when I'm sitting on planes and people say, what do you do? Um, If I feel like having the longer dialogue, I actually say that now I design things like school systems, Mm. which always freaks everyone out. Um, (laughs) Oh, really? Well, what does that mean? Does that mean the spaces? And it's like, kind of, um, you know, inclusive of. But um, so, again, if I have the... If I have the bandwidth to actually really dig in with people, that's what I say. And if I don't, I just say I'm a designer and I make things like websites. It's always hard to <laughs> consolidate who you are into like a 60-second really description. It really is. I mean, at a kind of role, in a, as a role, I could say I'm a partner here at IDEO mm-hmm. and I, um, I lead our um, education practice. Um, but in my heart, I'm a designer. So then... You know, it's funny because people will ask me what IDEO is, and I find myself not able to even describe what it is in 60 seconds. But you actually founded the education strand at IDEO, from what I understand. And yes. when when was that? Um, 2007, 2008. Okay. Yeah. And so how has that been over the last nine years? What has been yeah. – why did the education studio come to be? Yeah. And um, what, what was it that inspired you to do it? Yeah, I could – I could fill up our whole time together talking about just that. <laughs> Probably. Um, so I, I need like a hand signal to stop me or something. Good to um, know. Because uh, it's been amazing actually um, to go on this journey of really looking at what does it take to innovate in the education sector and um, what's really needed, what do people need, what do people wish for, um, how can we best fit with that and help with that. Um, the the To understand what the education practice is, it does help to kind of understand what IDEO is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I struggle with the 60-second version of it as well, but I'll try here. Um, you know, basically, IDEO's role in the world is to help organizations innovate. Um, and, uh, and you can see that behind that is actually to help people go on a journey of change. Um, and any organization. And any organization. Actually, we're a, we're a 
pretty big for a design company. We're a pretty big organization. We have about 600 people in nine or so offices around the globe. Wow. Um, and we work across so many different sectors um, uh, in so many different types of questions in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, to kind of understand why we're doing work in education, you sort of have to understand the culture of IDEO, that if um, our role in the world is to help organizations innovate to kind of identify new solutions that make life better for people, we have to have an environment that regards our creative vision. Mm. Um, That doesn't say, be creative here, but not here. Mm -hmm. So the whole company culture is actually designed to say, what do you see? And what opportunities do you see for the world? And, um, you know, um, way back when I joined, um, our CEO sort of challenged us all to think about the impact that we're having in the world. And um, we were being asked to kind of think about what, what, what are we really passionate about and how are we bringing that to work mm-hmm. to make sure that kind of our whole selves were part of the work that we were doing. Mm-hmm. And um, I raised my hand and said, I really care about education. I think it really needs us. Um, and I, I can talk more about my background to get to that point. Um, but I will say that uh, what was amazing and hilarious uh, is when I brought up this idea that I felt education needs what we can bring, which is a kind of optimistic approach to designing the future. Mm. Um, I like spent like 45 minutes with this like really thought out presentation, sort of hand waving to the CEO and the COO and my bosses at the time. And there was, you know, it felt like the most high stakes moment of my life being like, here's a cause that really matters. And everybody was like, cool, makes sense. Mm. And I was like, it's that easy? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> okay, but like, what do I do now? And they were like, you're the one that brought it up. Um, so the, the kind of environment around here is really about, um, you know, what questions are you in and how are you pursuing those? And so essentially what I learned in that dialogue was actually was for me to find the role we could play. Mm-hmm. And that the, there's a bigger question about the role design can play in advancing education. Um, and then I felt like I was both asking that question and what role can IDEO play um, and when you simultaneously. Say, when you say design, you know, I think, uh, talk to me 10 years ago and I probably would have thought design meant graphic design, visual totally. design. Is that the kind of design you're thinking about? Yeah. Or is it, are, are there other facets of design that you bring into helping different education organizations improve? Yeah, that's a really great and important question. And I'm glad you asked that because I think I often forget to sort of situate that. And mm-hmm. um, we all... In different different countries around the world, if you say design, you might people immediately think fashion design or yeah. interior design or graphic design. Um, and I, what what's interesting about IDEO is we understand that um, that to address larger complex challenges, you actually need a whole lot of different perspectives um, that together find an answer that's greater than what any one angle could bring alone. Mm-hmm. And so um, IDEO historically has always put together multidisciplinary teams of mm-hmm. all different types of designers, mm-hmm. people who have a background in architecture, people who have a graphic design background, people who have an interaction design background, um, people who understand anthropology mm-hmm. and the ways of kind of researching um, people and understanding what they care about and putting all of those different skills together in a room with a similar question that underpins it to say, with your creative genius um, and your angle of seeing, find what matters uh, and then design a great response for it. But how does that work in the space of education? Because at least in in my experience when I was an educator, um, a lot of 
educators, it, it, it's easy to become suspicious of organizations from the outside coming in. Yeah. Especially if you feel like there's no one, you know, from that organization that has ever taught or ever been in, you know, even stepped in a classroom outside yeah. of them being a student. So how do you remedy yeah. that? Um, there's, there's two different ways I feel like I could answer that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to do both. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> one is check, to kind check. of um, situate this historically, right? In that, you know, nine, I can't even do the math really fast, huh? like nine or ten years ago, um, when we first started asking this question, um, we, I would say we were really empathic outsiders, right? So um, we have a really special skill around here of um, instead of assuming we know the answer connecting with people to help either them find their own answers or inform us to create answers that feel really born from what um, people say they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at first, we, we would take more of approach of like interviewing teachers and really trying to then kind of pattern recognize across all of the dialogues that we had to really understand what needs and motivations and desires were. Of course, in questions in education, you instantly get to students and teachers and parents mm-hmm. and administrators and just about everybody under Everyone the sun. Everyone involved. Um, and so we had to learn how to take all of that diverse input in order to understand the kind of core needs and motivations that underlie um, uh, what people are wishing for mm-hmm. in order to be thinking about how to best design for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, so now that it's many years later and... Um, We've actually been able to build up a, a, a focus here in education. Mm-hmm. Um, we have about 30 people uh, who are dedicated to questions in education. Solely dedicated to education. Yeah, although the cool thing about IDEO is like sometimes they can work on other things, which like feeds their creative genius, and sometimes we bring people who focus in healthcare or hospitality or like other areas to then kind of cross-pollinate sort of industry wisdom. Nice. Um, so we have like a cool kind of nimble environment where people are constantly getting inspiration from other sectors. Mm-hmm. But we do have in our um, in a, a studio that we have here in San Francisco, mm-hmm. we have kind of a subunit of IDEO that really that that is dedicated to challenges of um, designing for learning. And because of that, we have all different types of people that we've been able to bring into the fold. Mm-hmm. So we're still um, empathic outsiders mm-hmm. in that we um, still regard that the people that are in the system kind of running it are, are the wisdom, um, but we are the design talent. And so um, how do we help bring out their ideas and their understanding? Well, part of that is bringing in talent that has been in those experiences. So many of the people in our studio have teaching experience, um, either you know as a classroom teacher or have an affinity for teaching, have done different tutoring type things. Um, people that are drawn to education um, uh, we've been able to kind of configure into, into our space in a way that brings a whole new level of empathy because they're not just talking about, here's what I heard, but they're able to kind of say, here's what I heard, and here's how that connects to my direct experience. Mm-hmm. The, the, the role of design thinking certainly seems to have become a much more popular term in education yeah. over the last couple of years. You must, I mean, you probably see some examples of great use of design thinking and some examples of not the best use. What exactly is design thinking to you? There are a lot of different definitions out there, but what is, what do you think does, what does it look like, um, in best practice? Yes. (laughs) All of the above. Oh my gosh, that is a great question. And I feel like the existential question that defines my, uh, my days. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So, so many thoughts at once. Um, I, when I first started focusing on this work, I, I, I kind of, I, I felt like what I did was sort of announce to the education sector at various conferences, mm -hmm. hey, there's this thing called design thinking. Yeah. Um, and because we didn't have a lot of experience working in education, I had to kind of say, and here's how it's applied to healthcare, because healthcare feels similar enough, but different enough that people kind of could, could listen. And I kind of felt that people were like, what are you talking about? That, doesn't, that wouldn't work here. And when I say that, um, I think that what design thinking is is a creative approach to problem solving. And at its core, it's often talked about as a set of methods that you go out and you understand people and from there you kind of synthesize what they're about and from there you sort of imagine things for them and then you try those things out and you iterate. Yes, mm -hmm. that, is a, that is core to what the kind of the, a, a design thinking approach is. Mm -hmm. But there's also a set of mindsets um, that actually underlie that process. Mm -hmm. um, there's optimism, there's collaboration. Um, if you believe that you are... Um, I don't know, if you, if you believe that is your role to innovate, to help somebody, something, innovate, you actually have to believe that a better future is possible. You have to be optimistic to kind of say, we can get somewhere new. It's a non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable. And you know what? That is ridiculously rare in education. It is. Yeah. It seems like, especially for people that have been in the industry for a really long time, they've gotten so beaten down yes. that it almost seems like optimism is impossible for yeah, them. Yeah, I think that is true. And there's a lot of reasons um, that feel really grounded, actually, as to why people think that a pattern that they've constantly observed. But in a way, our role ends up being the kind of mindset of design thinking is kind of an endless belief that a better future is possible. Mm -hmm. So that's a thing um, that I think was maybe surprising and resistant at first, actually. Um, collaboration is a, is a mindset as well, which is that together we can do more than we can do alone. And while many of us may um, attitudinally believe that, it's actually really hard to put into practice to do well. Um, and that sort of diversity of thought and diversity of opinion um, is really hard to figure out how to, how to wrangle. So, um, so I do think design thinking is a creative approach to problem solving. Absolutely. I think that um, I think that it's often talked about as methods, but equally important are the mindsets. Mm -hmm. um, part of that mindset is actually um, being able to put together a creative response. Mm -hmm. So our ability to um, have honed intuition um, and imagination um, really factor into that. And all of these things are... There's sort of a welcome dialogue in education, but at first um, we're really resisted when it came to the way that we think about how, how we might approach the design of the system. Mm -hmm. So in my experience of kind of unfolding this design thinking dialogue, mm -hmm. my memory is that at first um, people were sort of like, huh, intriguing, mm. but it'll never work here. Um, in, that doesn't sound like an optimistic mindset. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was uh, the key was finding the people who were sort of like, I see what you're saying, and I'd love to go on that journey with you. I'd love to find how this fits for education, mm -hmm. um, because because it speaks to my soul. Actually, you know, I, I met a lot of people who at first were like, that's how I want to be in the world, and I don't feel like I'm able to in education. I was going to ask you if you, if there are things that you think that schools are lacking that they need more of, but I feel like you've already answered that question, that sense of optimism, that sense of possibility. Yeah. Do you, have there been any um, 
schools or districts or, or projects you've worked on where you've seen very clear indication that the people in those environments were optimistic in the way that you say helps yeah. progress to happen? So. Again, so many things to say. You ask really hmm. good questions. You must be a journalist. Uh-huh. Um, uh, there's so many things now that when I kind of look at the space, um, when I remember how, how resistant people were about what design thinking could bring to education, mm-hmm. that now is really amazing to see the abundance that... Um, that is happening in the world as a result of people either, uh, that people employing, using design thinking to address challenges. Mm -hmm. That can happen in a really micro way, it can happen on a daily basis, um, or it can happen in a really big systemic way. So there's a few patterns that that I've seen now, both that we've participated in, but also now I'm learning from what the sector is doing with design thinking. One is that, uh, and it's super obvious and amazing, is that um, we need to raise a generation of change makers. And kids, the world is the world is amazingly complex and varied, and there are immense problems. And you could kind of ground the conversation in CEOs feel that creativity is the biggest lacking skill, you know, in, in their talent pipelines, or you could ground it into the um, you know, the giant problems that are going to need solutions. Um, But regardless, we know that there's a set of capabilities that are really important for youth to develop. And design thinking, we are seeing um, teachers use to actually build a generation of change makers. It's a a way to approach problems um, and that that is a great capability to learn. That's Mm -hmm. one dimension. Mm -hmm. Another dimension is using design thinking to create new systems, actually use it as a design process to Mm -hmm. create new systems. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of work that we've been doing there. Um, You know, we we collaborated with an organization in Peru to design a whole school system that would be um, international quality, um, scalable to create a significant impact. Was that the Innova? Yes, Innova Innova Schools. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, there's a wonderful Ed Search piece on that one. There is, that's correct. Um, But you can see that's where we used a design process to design a whole school system. And then there's like a really cool thing we see emerging where um, schools are starting to kind of realize that the culture of school matters and that it can be designed in a way where teachers are involved and actually sometimes students and parents are continuously involved in the design of school and that for that the culture needs to embrace a lot of these both mindsets and methods of things like design thinking. Um, To make that really tangible I can tell you a story about Charlie. Yeah. Um, Charlie I hope you're listening at some point because Charlie I'm a big fan of Charlie. Charlie is a teacher in Maryland. We'll make sure he gets this. And Charlie knows I'm a fan because all the time I'm like, tell me more, Charlie. Um, But uh, one of the things we created many years ago, um, uh, maybe six or seven years ago now, no, five, five, six, 2011. Okay. Can't even remember. Five years. Thank you. Yeah. Quick math. Um, Five years ago, um, we collaborated with teachers to modify design process for the context of our classrooms. We realized teachers are designers. They're designing every single day. They're mm-hmm. designing interactions with students. They're designing curriculum. They're it's designing constant. their spaces. Yep. It is constant all the and time. immediate and iterative all the time. You go to bed thinking about it and you wake up thinking about it. Yes, mm-hmm. but, but rarely do teachers actually think that they're a designer. 
they're problem solving all the time. It's so funny to me because science teachers use the scientific method, which is sort of like the design thinking process. It is similar. Yeah. It is very similar. I think one of the um, one of the one of the differences is that design thinking doesn't quite start with a hypothesis, mm. right? Um, but instead starts with question. Yeah. And so um, it's very hard for teachers, I think, to slow down enough to um, realize that there's a question behind the problem that they're feeling mm -hmm. or facing, and that that question, they can go on a journey to answer it because they have so many problems that they're dealing with all the time. They want to quickly solve it. You know, as soon as a kid is like, hey, can I go to the bathroom? It's like, yes, go! Like, don't disrupt, don't disrupt the environment, right? So it's sort of built in to kind of quick problem solve. But that often doesn't get us to new um, places. Mm -hmm. And so we, um, we had done some work that really, we, we watched teachers really come alive and change their disposition, uh, collaborate better, kind of feel a new freedom around time mm -hmm. when, we, when we've engaged them in a design process. Mm -hmm. And so we then partnered with teachers to say, how do we modify a design process uh, for the context of the classrooms. Hmm. We launched something called the Design Thinking for Educators Toolkit. So oh, we basically yes. created a textbook of design thinking for teachers, um, uh, which we have had about 100,000 people download over the last few years. We created a second edition. We did workshops. We did MOOCs. We did all kinds of things because teachers kept saying, teach me more, teach me more. Mm -hmm. um, but then we realized that, uh, that we weren't seeing a lot of stories of impact as a result of teachers being exposed to design thinking. And we felt that in order, even though people kept saying, teach me more, that the best way to teach design thinking was to invite people to do it, help structure that. So we've created something called the Teachers Guild. Teachers Guild is a, um, a community of teachers who are innovating both for their classroom and from their classroom. Mm -hmm. And we pull together all these partners across the country to kind of frame interesting design projects that teachers can contribute to in this online environment. And they are able to kind of meet each other and, and collaborate. And this is free? They can it's just free, do it. totally. It's mm -hmm. like a member-driven community. And we're learning so much about the role of the design thinking can play in advancing some of these national questions we have. So our first challenge um, that we, our first design project that we, we put up on this platform was um, how do we create a culture of innovation in our schools? Uh, we partnered with Google for Education and quite a few others at uh, West Contra Costa School District. Um, a lot of different partners came together because they were interested in this question and teachers went through a design process, not just like, here's my answer, but let me get inspiration, let me, understand, like, let me imagine new solutions, let me try things out, um, and they went on a design journey together. Charlie's idea um, uh, was one of the favorites of that collaboration. Mm. And basically the idea was, um, instead of trying to change school, what if we um, use the time, instead of trying to change the structure of school, um, what if we use some of the kind of flexible time we end up having, like when there's a substitute teacher, mm -hmm. to do more passion-based projects that mm -hmm. allow students to kind of explore what they're interested in exploring? Mm -hmm. Because we know that substitute teachers are kind of a problem in terms of like, students don't really let them just kind of roll in and we all remember, we all remember that teacher. personally. It's very tough yeah. being a substitute. Um, and you could actually then kind of train up this army of substitute teacher teachers to be really great mm -hmm. at facilitating um, passion-based projects. projects. So, um, so Charlie's in Maryland. His school wasn't that psyched about trying out this idea. Um, but West Contra Costa was. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so Charlie spent a couple months working with, on Skype, working with um, principals from West Contra Costa, 
um, with the superintendent, a couple principals, someone from the teachers union, wow. um, someone from Google for Education, people from the Teachers Guild, like all kind of helping out to say like, what does it mean to design this? And this year they piloted in two different schools. Contra Costa's piloting. Yeah, yeah, and um, super cool to see what the kids did with it. Um, uh, I hope and they the had Charlie a presentation school. of their of their passion projects. So one of the things that's interesting is my thought was as we um, we see teachers build up their kind of creative muscle where they realize, oh, I am designing all the time. I can choose to be creative about this. I can collaborate with others around this. You see, we're interested in both, again, the methods and the mindset. Mm-hmm. I thought what we'd see is sort of like um, teachers kind of doing stuff in their classroom and then maybe a handful participating in a sort of national way. Mm -hmm. But what we're starting to see now is that teachers are collaborating more easily nationally. Mm. Outside of their respective districts Outside of their own school or district. Even outside of their own state. Yeah, where they feel that the culture may not allow it. Mm. But in the process of that national collaboration, they're finding new friends. They're realizing there are other teachers out there like them that are interested in designing change. that are interested in being creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, I, what we're starting to see is um, that sort of helps people build up their confidence to then actually lead locally. So I, bring up, I brought up Charlie mm-hmm. because I'm super impressed with what Charlie's doing now is he could have spent quite a few years just sort of like enjoying that sort of national collaboration layer in the guild, right? And he's, he's doing that. He's an amazing participator. He also became a coach on a platform of other teachers. Mm. But now he's taken on a role in his school where he's engaging other teachers in his school around the kinds of challenges that they feel they face as a school community. And he's facilitating his colleagues through processes of design where they together can find new solutions for the things that pain them in their school community. Mm. So... I bring all of that up. Sorry, that was such a long answer to say there's so many different ways we now see design thinking playing out um, that it can come from a teacher. It can, in terms of designing their school environment, Mm -hmm. it can come from outsiders who help actually structure that process. Mm -hmm. Um, It can actually be incorporated into the way that teachers are teaching Mm -hmm. so that it builds that muscle in students to become change makers. Um, And then also uh, we can start to see it being built into the culture of schools and districts. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, but I have one more question for you, which is, is there any one piece of advice? uh, Let me back up for a second. Not every school and district can afford to, you know, work with an organization that can train them on design thinking. Likewise, some school or districts might not allow their teachers to have the time to be able to do something like Teacher's Guild. You know, mm-hmm. I remember when I was teaching, I was literally up every single night writing lesson plans and on the weekends grading. Totally. So do you have any advice for educators, whether administrators or teachers, about how they themselves can start bringing in the design thinking process into their classroom, you know, tomorrow on a yeah. Wednesday? Yeah. Whew. I feel like I have to pause uh, because that's a really amazing question, and it's deep. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I think is important for people to remember is that we're all creative. And that plays out differently in all of us. That creativity gets applied differently. Um, and we are all at our best when, when we're at the center of our creative essence. So... Um, Time changes when we feel like we're creating, when we're joyfully creating, 
um, what feels like burden changes. Um, and so I would say that there's something that's just about kind of finding what you really care about and what you're excited to address, that you feel you have a unique role in making better in your environment or in the world, um, and then quite simply being in dialogue with people about that. Um, ask them about their needs, about their interests, um, being curious about your students in new ways, always looking for something that surprises you rather than something that validates an assumption that you have always seeking to find new inspiration so that you can connect a bunch of dots to find a new creative solution, however you feel you're creative. That, I think, is a really great place to start. Excellent. Sandy, thank you so much for being on the EdSearch podcast. We're definitely going to be back. (laughs) Big thanks to Sandy Spiker for sharing all of that information with us in a behind-the-scenes peek at IDEO. And thank you for tuning in to the EdSearch on-air podcast. And as I said last week, if you have anything in particular you'd like to hear on the podcast, anyone you'd like us to interview or anything that you think we might be interested in, feel free to send us a note at feedback at edsurge.com. All of those tips are wonderful. And with that, I'm Mary Jamata. We'll see you next time.